listening to Hear the Turtle. Your hosts are Taylor Slife and Keith Snedden. It's Wednesday, September 20th, 2017, and Keith, you play to win the game. And that's all the Terps have been doing is winning, winning, winning. Another great weekend. Yeah, we're going to hear that interview from Herm Edwards later, and he came and talked to our staff, and after spending some time around that guy, you want to run through a brick wall. I mean, it's amazing. I think I still want to run through a brick wall. (laughs) But 30 wins, four losses, two ties for the Terps so far this fall. A pretty great start, if you're asking me. Absolutely, and I feel like we've talked about that stat ad nauseum, but it really has been a fun start to bear on all the teams gaining momentum. Um, And we'll get to the football team, which comes off a bye and has a big game against UCF. Preview that game after the interviews. But first, let's recap the weekend that was, and we have to start last Thursday with Maryland Volleyball at the Xfinity Center. Keith, we keep telling people where to be. We told them Friday, Ludwig against UCLA. Goals on goals, Terps win in overtime. We told them Terps football against Towson. DJ Durkin's got that team rolling. Blow them out, 63 points, Kasim Hill, all, all of what happened. We said to be at the Maryland Challenge this weekend, especially that match against USC, and Coach Steve Aird and his team made a statement sweeping the Trojans, winning all three sets, an unbelievable performance by those guys, and really a step in the right direction for Maryland volleyball. Hit them with the stats. 11-1 and one non-conference run for the Terps. 2-1 weekend overall. They did drop their first match of the year to number 7 Washington, who we had mentioned was going to be a, a tall task, uh, one of the most elite teams in the country. But not before the Terps. They earned their first victory over a ranked team this season. 3-0 and o, three and o sweep over number 18 USC Thursday night. Now receiving votes in the AVCA top 25 poll. They haven't been ranked since 2005. So it's nice to see them get back into that uh, conversation. Absolutely, and the thing that impressed me the most, and we were at some of that that match on Thursday, Keith, at the end against USC, is how the young Terps closed out the match. A lot of times, you see in a, in a sport like volleyball or even tennis, where you're trying to you know win s- certain sets, it's hard. You know, it's easy to get the first one, maybe a little bit easier to get that second one, but finishing it off is really, really hard, especially when you're the underdog in the match. Um, and the Terps did a great job staying composed, especially with how close it was, back and forth, really throughout all three sets. A lot of close you know set scores and 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 just back and forth action but the young Terps did a really really good job doing that a lot of underclassmen on the floor to close out a team like USC and anecdotally had a you know people to reach out to me saying Maryland is beating USC in volleyball it's something that hasn't happened in a while it's something people aren't used to and really great for Steve I think if you told coach Aird coming into the weekend that he would have taken you know to get two out of three he would have taken two out of three especially uh, with that win over USC in the fashion that it happened sweeping the Trojans yeah something that stuck out to me was these girls can swing man I mean Gia Milana and Erica Pritchard were both critical for the Terps in that win over USC they both tallied 12 kills apiece and were really just effective in finishing off attacks on the outside hitting to those unoccupied spots on the floor hey you just hit them where they ain't Taylor it's just like baseball absolutely not such a hard uh, game the ball (laughs) hits the floor and bounds you get points exactly so they both uh, came through they're great on the defensive end as well 23 digs uh, between the boat between um, both of them so uh, it's nice to see them produce on both sides sides of the net and uh, it was a great atmosphere hey uh, I'm glad we got to stop by and uh, and see some Terps win for sure crowd really into it and one of the cool things and it, it speaks to what Steve Aird's done here is a lot of coaches and players from other athletic programs saw baseball players there lacrosse players there baseball coaching staff was there a lot wrestlers of different administrators are wrestlers there all these different teams and and it's really great when you can get that kind of support and it shows kind of the hype that Steve Aird um, and those girls have behind that program it's a really fun team to watch and 
you can get invested in them because they are so young. You're going to see a lot of that. Obviously, people like Haley Murray, you know, seniors won't be around as long, but a lot of those girls are going to be around, like Pritchard and Milana. You're going to see them for a while, so can get invested now when they're you know up against the big guns, consistently playing them well. Um, you can be uh, sort of in that in that know the players. It, it was a really cool place to be. But another team that had a nice weekend was field hockey, Keith. Yeah, they've now won four straight. They knocked off uh, Indiana three to one and Bucknell four to nothing this past week. Midfielder Kyler Greenwald seen the Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Midfielder Lean Holsbor was uh, the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. She tallied four goals on the week. Uh, and Bodio Ghost was the National Player of the Week last week. So. The individual honors, they're coming through for Missy Maharg and her crew. All-name team, too, for all three of those <laughs> girls. Great names. Kyler, Lane Holsbor, unbelievable names. Just going to keep talking about names and hair. <laughs> we're just going to keep doing that. But a, real, a really nice job. And we talked about a couple weeks ago when they dropped matches to Duke and Boston College, two ranked teams up in Lancaster, that, you know, not to get too worried because you know you schedule those early games to kind of see where you are. You, you know you take your team back to practice. You look at the film. You you understand sort of what's going on and you rebound. And the Terps you know had a couple of easier matches after that. You know against Towson and Bucknell, those teams you know aren't going to challenge the Terps as much. But you get the confidence back up, work on the things you need to work on, and start to beat um, the teams at a little higher level. And the Terps have a nice stretch going you know coming up where they can kind of prove that they've you know can play with the upper echelon of teams in the country. Now up to ten in the country is Maryland. Yeah, it was nice to see them immediately respond against Indiana. The Hoosiers scored to make it 2-1 a little late in that second half and Holsborough scored 25 seconds after. So, you know, that's one way to respond to adversity and I'm sure it was something uh, Coach Maharwood was happy to see. Terps now ranked number 10 in the country. They've got three top 20 matchups this week coming here into College Park. They're going to play Tuesday night before we record this versus number 17 Princeton. Number 19 Iowa comes to town on Friday and then number 14 Northwestern is on is here on Sunday at 1 p.m. So, a heck of a run coming up here for the Terps. Yeah, a lot of a lot of really good teams. Terps, you know, to to give you a little bit of an insight, Terps about 45 minutes away from action at the field hockey and lacrosse complex. We see into the future. It will be the past once you hear this. But Terps with a really a nice stretch and and that Princeton Princeton has been a really historically good field hockey team. So that should be a good test for the Terps at home. But we move to the men's soccer program and man, the, the Sasha Sorovsky talked a lot before the season about tightening up the defense about how you know last year that game against Providence the one everyone remembers 5-4 giving up that 4-1 lead is they scored a lot of goals highest scoring team in the country but didn't have that defense tightened up now they've got it four straight shutouts two this week against Big Ten foes a 3-0 win um, last week against Rutgers a 2-0 win at Penn State on Sunday and that back line has continued to play well got some honors Johannes Bergman a center back uh, named the co-Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week paired with Miles Stray against Rutgers in the center Donovan Pines um, the big guy Donovan Pines um, on Sunday um, was able to get it done Chase Gasper and George Campbell on the flanks of that defense and they have played really really well and if you're able to defend like that we talked about Dane saying Claire last week if the Terps need they didn't need saves this week five combined shots um, against Maryland but if they need them Dane's that back there to save the day so looking like the structure of a team that can really challenge especially with the offensive weapons they possess yeah it's nice to see them respond after that Indiana game where their offense maybe wasn't firing all cylinders but to come out score five goals give up none right back on track to uh, another big time season from Maryland soccer absolutely and offensively Eric Williamson was really the guy this week especially against Penn State provided a really nice um, assist to Sebastian Elliott to open up the scoring there breaking a really tight Penn State defense that was packed in against the Terps um, trying to just sort of you know 
eke out a result, as they say, um, at home against you know against a team that was clearly more talented in Maryland. A really nice play with Jake Rosansky, who's continued to play great. He's been. Oh, I always fantastic. hear his name come up. He's been fantastic all season. I mean, five assists, and and he's really just sort of the engine in that midfield. A great two-way player um, that's able to start the attack. But Williamson then finished out the goal late, or excuse me, finished out the game late with a goal, um, streaking Rosansky on the assist. Um, and and Eric's a guy that. Sasha talked about post game as if we can get the ball to Eric's feet, he can really make things happen and do whatever he wants on the offensive end. And he's a U20 national team player, so has a lot of pedigree. DC United Academy, um, and as a guy, the Terps are going to need to play at a very you know an all Big Ten, all American type of level um, to complement guys like Gordon Wild, Rosansky, all the different offensive options. So a really nice week for Maryland soccer, and it doesn't get any easier. They're going to travel to number six Michigan State. That the Big Ten soccer gets better year after year. Indiana was just briefly the number one team in the country. They're now number two as of this week. Um, and Michigan is also a very, very good team. And it speaks to what Sasha Swarovski and that program have done for Big Ten soccer. So um, really nice week for men's soccer. And unfortunately for the women, uh, took a loss this week. Yeah, 2 nothing loss to Rutgers, which is a perennial power on the women's side. Uh, very good it, team. Number 13 in the country. Yeah, so uh, but they'll have a nice uh, chance to respond here this weekend. Uh, two games, Illinois and Northwestern on the road. So they'll be able to kind of see, get a barometer of how they, they stack up against Big Ten competition uh, with, with two games this weekend. For sure. And if you were setting the expectations for Maryland women's soccer before the year, they may have already surpassed them with the 6-0-1 start. But for them, it's trying to get edge into that Big Ten tournament. Um, and to do that, you're going to have to beat teams like Illinois and Northwestern, which so far have been at the bottom. Of Northwestern actually just had a really impressive win over the weekend against Ohio State. But Illinois is a team that the Terps beat last year at home. They now go to Champaign to take them on, and, and that's a really good barometer game for the Terps. You know, Rutgers may be a little bit too much of an ask, but watched a, you know all of that game, and Terps played really, really well um, against them for about 65 minutes, um, and then an own goal kind of dropped the level a little bit, and then they, you know, Gave up that second goal and fought off a lot of different other attacks, but really played well uh, against a good team there. So they'll have the ability to rebound, as you said, uh, this weekend. But let's get to our two interviews this week, and we had a lot of fun with both of these guys. We talked about Herm Edwards, and man, what an interesting guy to talk to. Lucky enough to get a few minutes of his time. Could have spent all day sitting there. Talking really to could have talking about football, talking about his philosophy on 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 coaching and leadership and all those different things. A very, very interesting guy. Now an ESPN analyst, so a lot of people see him on TV. Uh, talked about DJ Durkin, Stefan Diggs, a lot of different things. So that should be a fun one for the people. And then we got to Maryland football legend, the legend, Daryl Hill, um, who is most well-known for being the first African-American player to ever play in the ACC. Um, and it's really an honor to have Mr. Hill um, in the office uh, for a couple of minutes. He dropped in here, and we said, Mr. Hill, can we, can, we, can we throw you on? He was more than willing to do it. We taped his podcast post-Texas, and he was in Austin, so had an interesting perspective on that and what it meant to him. Talked a little bit about what he thought and what he saw of some of the, the players, and that was interesting to hear him talk about being a receiver and a return man, his philosophy on that. A really, really interesting guy. Worked in the athletics department for a little bit. Um, so two interesting interviews, and let's get to him. We're back here on Hear the Turtle with the coach, Herm Edwards. Coach, thanks for joining us. It's good to be here, obviously. Um, one of my colleagues, Scott Van Pelt, um, can't brag enough about the alma mater. I always say, yeah, but every time I come to the alma mater and I look in the gym, 
Where is your jersey hanging from the rack? That's another story. We won't go there. <laughs> He's got one picture up over here. I love but no jersey He's in the, the rafters. He's the best. Scott's so you, the best. you talk about coming here today, Coach. And talk to us a little bit about the purpose of the visit. You, you just talked to a lot of the staff. You're going to talk to the football team. Just talk about why you're here. Well, I'm here because of Kevin Anderson. We, we have a long relationship back to my days at, at Cal, and uh, we've continued to stay in contact for, for numerous years. And uh, I had an opportunity to come here today and, and just to, to – to visit with the coaches in the sense that the impact they can make on young people, besides just being a coach, is more than just being a, a coach. And um, I hope, hopefully, they understood the message and, and they'll use some some of that in, in going forward with with how they go about coaching. You know, this is a fraternity when you become an athlete. Um, you always want to give experiences to other people. You want to present them with those experiences. And to get in front of the football team is always fun for me. Um, They've got off to a great start. They're 2-0. and um, I'm going to mention now, because they've had some early success, how do you handle it? You know, sometimes that kind of gets in the way. More interviews, podcasts, TV. <laughs> Who's getting those interviews? Some players look at it and go, why are they not interviewing me, right? That, all these things become part of how you handle success, right? And so now expectations are a lot higher. And how do you deal with expectations? So... If I could give them some words of uh, thought there, I think that's always good. Um, so, you know, I enjoy doing these. I, I do about two or three a year, go to visit, visit college campuses, and sometimes it's talking to the ath- athletes, sometimes the coaches, sometimes the st- all the students. I mean, I've, d- I've done the numerous, uh, numerous ones, and th- there's some life lessons learned in athletics. And I think if we can apply those in our lives, uh, we'll, have a su- we'll have success after we leave the playing field. Take us back a little bit to your relationship with Kevin. We heard maybe a little bit of a hair comparison. Oh boy, we were now we were back in the in the, in the, you know, the late the, the, the late sixties, early seventies, and that's when what the young people are wearing now that was the vogue then. You know, it kind of everything kind of comes in this circle, right? And uh, Kevin was a had a good relationship with a with a, a roommate of his that actually played for for Cal, and that's how we met. So we go way back, and uh, we've been fortunate enough to keep in contact with each other and. Uh, He's done a great job here. I mean, he has a he has a vision. Um, you couldn't get a better guy in this position. He gets it. He understands sports. He understands the complications of, of college athletics. Um, he has great wisdom, and uh, he's all about the athletes that are here. You know, making them better people when they leave here. That that that, that you know that's the vision. It's not you know along the way. Yeah, we can win titles and all that, but when you leave here, you become an ambassador for the University of Maryland. And that's important. You know, you become the recruiting tool for the next generation of kids that follow you. And it's important to have a man that sits in the seat of leadership to make all the people that work with him to develop these young athletes to understand that's that's a big purpose here as well. Now, Coach, I'm not sure if you've gotten the chance to meet Coach Durkin yet. I'm sure you will today. But what's your impression of, of DJ so far, just looking from afar? Maybe? Well, he's, he's got some discipline to him. You know, this is a team that uh, has a competitive spirit. I, I thought you saw that in the Texas game right away, even last year, but this year even more. I, I think now that they feel like, you know, we can win. you got to teach people how to win. And, and I think now, you know, they get that. The Texas game was an illustration of it when um, things for a while looked kind of, uh-oh, here comes Texas getting ready to make their run, and they didn't. There was a part of that game where you thought the momentum was about to switch. They're, on, they're in Texas, a lot of, you know, history there, University of Texas, the Longhorns, the whole deal, and you get off to this fast start, and then all of a sudden they hit you in the nose, 
and it looks like his momentum going to switch, they never let him gain momentum. And, and that says something about their mental toughness and their ability to, to understand we're going to grasp the moment and we're not going to let it get away from us. You talked about that you were in the NFL for, for 30 years yeah. and now you serve as an analyst you know, on ESPN for the NFL. Mm-hmm. But do you, do you get a chance to watch the college game? Obviously, oh. able to see a little bit of Maryland, Texas, but you, you started in the college game as a coach and as a player. Yeah. So what's your relationship now like with the college game? No, I watch a lot of college games because th- these guys are basically, this is our farm league. College football is farm league for the National Football League. So you have to keep abreast with it. You know, I'm fortunate. Um, I coach the Under Armour All-American game every year, high school yeah. game. And um, I've coached that now seven years. It's been going on for 10 years, I want to say. There's been 160 kids drafted. 30 of them have been first-round picks. So there's a lot of kids that leave that game that I stay in contact with that go to college and play. And some of them will call me. I can remember my first class of players my first year was Jameis Winston and Amari Cooper. Not too bad. And Jameis still calls me today. I mean, there's relationships you form in football. So a lot of these kids, we've got some kids here in Maryland that that, that played in the Under Armour All-American game, you know, so they, I, I was their coach or see Mariucci. So yeah, I keep up with these guys. What was it like, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit before we had you on here. Um, we had Stefan Diggs on Monday night last night, and there are a couple yeah. other Maryland guys in the league. What's, what do you see from a guy like Stefan, a really talented wide receiver, well, just he, for Maryland fans? Yeah, who, I love him. Well, he, he, you, know, it, you know, that league is about, like anything else, but that league especially is about confidence. It really is. I mean, m- most of the players that have the ability to, to get to that level, they have the talent. It's a matter of when opportunity presents itself, you got to grasp it because you don't get a lot of chances there. And he was a kid last year that was kind of you're interested. You know, you watched him. You went, okay. But you didn't know. You know, you're like, this is a big step for him. And to, and to do it on national television in a big moment against a pretty good football team, by the way, that's going to give him confidence going this way now. I mean, all of a sudden, he's the, you know, people are talking about him. I mean, it's not – you know, Treadwell, they drafted in the first round. He hadn't found his way yet. With this young man, wasn't a high-round pick. You're talking about him and, and the other kid, Thielen, I believe it is. Now. Yeah. He's yep. a free agent. This kid was a fifth-round draft choice. They're the two best receivers they got. It's great. Now, you talk about Maryland, Maryland alums. You told a story today about Lamont Jordan yeah. during his days you know, coming up in the Jets. Walk us through that story a little bit. You mentioned it, you know, backing up Curtis Martin. What did you do to, to coach him up? Well, it, you know, Lamont had a lot of talent, was one of really talented player. And the problem he had, he's behind Curtis Martin. And that's what I told him when he got there. Because we knew Curtis Martin eventually was going to, you know, retire. But Lamont, I tell you what, he, he, was, he was a great teammate. He really was. And, um, you know, my wife was involved, involved with the team. And, and, and that was – that was one of her favorite guys was Lamont. And he really, I mean, my wife used to travel with us. And I could just remember when we would get on the bus to go to the airport, Lamont would always come and give her a kiss, you know. And she, she was really good with the players and the players' wives. And um, Lamont was a guy that he had tremendous talent, boy. And the problem he had, he's behind a guy wearing a yellow jacket. So at times, you know, he would get into the game. Uh, and it would be finishing the game off when everybody knew we were going to run it, right? And I go, okay, man, you got to make a couple first downs for us because we got. And but you just talking about a, a great player, you know. And then he went to Oakland after that, you know, and, and had a little stint with Oakland. But just one of those guys that, 
you know, he was fun to be around. He had this personality where you didn't, you know, people, he didn't smile a lot, you know, but he was really a great guy. I love the guy. I mean, he would come in my office sometimes on Tuesdays. You know, players aren't in there, right? He'd come in the office and coach, I want to sit down and talk. I'd, come on in here, man. Come on in yeah. here, Jordan. I'll call him 34. Come on in here, 34. He'd sit down and we'd talk, you know, but love him. Love the guy. Part of the, you know, I sort of see the smile on your face as you talk about our former player there. And part of your message um, to the ICA staff that you just talked to was sort of the service that you can give through coaching and sort of how much you can give back. You talked about former players being able to call. You just talked about the guy like James Winston. You just coached in an all-star game yeah. that calls you. You form that relationship. Yeah. What is that like and what does that bring to you personally, you know, as you've gone through your coaching career? Well, that, that you were more than just a coach. You know, that you were a mentor for these guys. And, and you know, in football, you have an opportunity. My whole motto was, and, and this is the motto that Tony Dungy had as well as Lovey. We all had this motto of this, that when we became coaches, we said, if we could make them better men, better men, they'll be great fathers, they'll be great community leaders, and they'll be really good teammates and football players. That was last, the football part. Because when, when when you become a man, you understand there's responsibilities bigger than yourself. And you become accountable to people. And if we could get that part, if they understood that part, the football just took care of itself. And that was our motto. That was our kind of our marching orders for us. Now, we never publicly spoke about it. We didn't go out and say, well, we just said we're trying to build a football team. We're trying to build men. Because men are accountable. You know, they, they understand that. The greatest thing you can achieve as a player, and I say this as a former player, I've always said this, you will have a merit of coaches along your playing career that you'll enjoy. And, uh, but the key is this for me as an athlete. When I walked in the huddle, I was compelled to do one thing. I never want to let those 10 guys down. I wanted to be accountable to my teammates. That meant more to me than anything. I said, I can't let these guys down. They're counting on me, man. I'm the right corner, and I got to play right corner. And I got to play it at a level where they don't never have to worry about when I break the huddle, what is he going to do? He's all in, man. That guy's all in. And, and I think when you become an athlete, your greatest achievement will be that you committed to the guys in the huddle. Because that's what this game's about now. It ain't, it ain't real hard to figure out. And the teams that win, there's, there's this commitment and there's this standard they set that when you break the huddle, there's no question of how your, your effort. Now, you might do some things wrong and you might have a bad play and you might lose the game, but when they turn the film on, they go, okay, I get it. That guy's playing. I can trust the guy. That's what this great game brings. It's the greatest game ever invented. It, it's trust, accountability to your teammates. And when you can do that, you feel like I've reached the plateau of, 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 of my ability as an athlete. Now, Coach, making the transition from being in the NFL, being coached into the television sector, what was something maybe about that that you didn't expect or kind of caught you off guard? Oh, uh, well, you know, I think what, what happens is you have to find your own personality. You know, I, I think sometimes you get swayed into thinking like, well, what do people expect? And I think the greatest advice I got was from a guy I worked with early, uh, was Trey Wingo, good friend, along with Scott too. Scott Van Pelt's a good friend. We know he's a graduate here, but, 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 but him, all, all the guys that I had seen from afar that I've worked with time and time out, 
Um, the advice they gave me was the best advice of all. And they simply said this, they said, coach, just be you. That's why they hired you. You don't have to be anybody else. You just be you. And I looked at him and said, what do you mean? He said, just be you, man. When the light come on, just be you. And that kind of set me at ease, you know, because you're, the, the first time you go on, I mean, look, there's no training for this. I mean, there's five cameras. <laughs> camera one, camera two, and there's a single shot. And, like a, and, and I remember sitting on NFL Live with Trey, and he said, huh? And I look over at him, and I, yeah. He says, I'm going to tell you something. I said, yeah. He says, I'm going to ask you a question, and you give me an answer. I said, I could do that. <laughs> and there you go. And you just go. And then from there, you and, – and I just think this – they were right in this sense. I think that hopefully I project this when I come on that there's a personality in the way I'm going to say things that differentiates what I'm going to say and might be given the same message, but I'm going to say a little bit different than anybody else. And it's entertainment at the end. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're the entertained defense. How do you deliver the message? I always said this. When I explain something, I want to make sure when the fan turns it off or I'm off, they go, well, I know why. Because you have to explain why. That's your job. You tell people why. There you go. Herman Edwards, a pleasure to have you. How many suits does it take you to get through the week? Quick answer. On oh, TV, how many suits? Oh, I got at least five or six. <laughs> Just according to what kind of day it is. <laughs> five or six suits right now at the ESPN <laughs> yeah. pullover on. Very much appreciate you coming, talking to the staff, and giving us a couple minutes Thank of your time. You. Appreciate I appreciate it, you guys. Thanks, Coach. Hi, this is Kendall Butters, Associate Director of Marketing, here to remind you that football is here. Join DJ Durkin in this historic 125th season of Maryland football. Tickets are on sale now, and they are going fast. Visit umterps.com or call 1-800-I'm-a-terp to get yours today. Maryland football. Fear the turtle. We're back here on Hear the Turtle with the Maryland legend himself, Daryl Hill. Mr. Hill, very much appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. I'm a legend in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in some other people's mind, too, some people's mind, too. First of all, back here, we have you back here at Maryland. You're at a lot of the games, too. What's it like just coming back on campus, watching football games for you? Okay, it's, it's always reminiscent. You know, I, I walk out there on that practice field, and there's a lot of things that are just the same. I look around, and I kind of feel, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember. So, uh it's a pleasure. I'm going out to practice in a few minutes. Just well, they're going out to practice and seeing these guys who just, you know, when we were talking, you're coming off a big win against Texas that I'm sure you watched on Saturday. What was it like watching that? I was there. Oh, there you go. Actually, in the building. Okay. I was there. I watched the Texas fans become quieter and quieter and quieter. And then by halftime, half of them left. <laughs> and they were pretty sad as we were exiting the stadium. I almost felt sorry for because <laughs> I think they fully didn't expect that. And uh, I must confess, I didn't actually expect such a big victory either, but we looked great. Now, in that, Texas, in that Texas game, were there any players that stood out to you that you were you know interested in watching or were you impressed by? Oh, well, absolutely. Piggy was right on. Yeah. You know, running and passing. And uh, I'm really concerned that we, we lost him for the season, even though I think Kasim Hill can do the job. He's got, he's, got a, he's got a good last name. Great. You know what? Well, it runs in the family. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, he, I'm going out here now to practice. And I'm going to stoke him up. I'm going to say, hey, you know, you got you got the right name. And then uh, I, I don't know the kid's name. I have to think about it for a minute. Where's number 25? But I'm going to go talk to him, too. Antoine Brooks. We actually Antoine Brooks, we talked yeah, to Antoine the other day. Right. Very Antoine good guy. Yeah, so, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah that's right. So I got to congratulate him, you know, that it sticks in that number. You know, that's a great number. There you go. Uh, it's, so. it's wearing off on him. It had a very good game against Texas. <laughs> yeah. Now, have you gotten the chance to go into Cole Fieldhouse yet since you've been here? I have not. And I'm going to do that as my at my earliest convenience. You know, last time I was in Cole, it was old, and quiet, and dingy. <laughs> but you know, I worked here a few years back, and yeah. that concept of converting Cole was one that I was always trying to push forward. Uh, you know, dollars and cents were always pushing back, but uh, we finally got there, and I think that's going to make a big, big difference in. Uh, our image and certainly in our recruiting. I was about to say, as someone who is an alum of the program, is there some sort of pride to a project of that magnitude getting done to try to try to push Maryland football a little bit farther into the national you know stage? Oh, absolutely. That puts us not that we weren't on the big stage, but that puts us higher up on the big stage. And it's not just an indoor practice facility. I've seen a few of them. Some of them are kind of drab. You know, they're indoors. You know, they've they got bubbles and so forth, including the Redskins, for that matter. Uh, but uh, this is a facility. This is uh, something special. Now, I've always been interested a little bit in your backstory in terms of your playing career. Obviously, you're well-known as being the first African-American player to play football in the ACC. But I don't think people realize before you got to Maryland, you were at the Naval Academy and then were recruited by a notable person, now a TV personality, Lee Corso. Take us through a little bit of that process getting recruited <laughs> that, by that Corso is my man. I, <laughs> you know, they did a special on him the other day, and I, you know, I was just glorying in because he's a wonderful human being, just to, to put it mildly. Uh, I was at Navy, and and uh, Staubach and I were on a team together. Pretty good quarterback, by the not, way. Not too shabby, he, no. He wasn't too shabby. Yeah. yeah, he was all right. Uh, you know, I, I remember the first day of practice, uh, this guy was running around and slinging bullets on the dead run. I said, who is that? Who are you? you know, <laughs> he said, my name is Roger. I said, well, Roger, you can play. <laughs> and uh, so but at that time, they had freshman teams. The freshmen couldn't play varsity. And Maryland and uh, Navy were – they had unofficial rankings, were highly ranked freshman team, both undefeated, last game of the season. They had to move the game into the main stadium away from where the freshman teams usually played. And uh, – Corso was the freshman coach. So I had a pretty good game, and, you know, he came up afterwards and congratulated me. And then uh, when I announced publicly that I was thinking of transferring from Navy, he picked up the phone and called me. <laughs> and I said, Coach, you know, he said, I want you to come over and come to College Park and take a look around. I said, well, why? <laughs> <laughs> I said, you're a segregated school at a segregated conference. Yeah. And he said, well, that's just that's just the point. Uh, we're ready to, to dial that back. And uh, so he invited me there, and, you know, I came here. And during my stay here, he was sort of my mentor. You know, he was always kind of by my side and uh, kind of walked me through the process. So, you know, there's a, there's a space in my thoughts and hearts for Lee Corsa, for sure. Was he putting mascot heads on... At that point in his career, he or at that, was in a certain sense. <laughs> this guy was a bundle of energy. He had a pencil, and he twirled this pencil, you know, all the time. And always had this pencil, and he ran everywhere in practice, you know. So if he went from one drill to the next, he ran. 
I mean, he continuously <laughs> running, you know, and the pencil was twirling, and the clipboard was in the other hand. And, and he, he uh, now works for Ticonderosa Dixon. Oh, wow. Which is uh, a pencil company. Pencil company, company yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wondered, that first I mean, yeah. did, did they hire him for that purpose? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so the the mascot head, the energy, uh, that that was always Corso. You know, he was full of it and and uh, a, a real positive guy, you know. Now, so, for, for you, what was that, you know, it's, I guess, was sort of a responsibility for you being – you know, the first African-American to play in the ACC, sort of desegregating that. Was that, for you, a, a little bit of a personal burden? And what was it like when you stepped on the field that first time, I believe against North Carolina State? Yeah, well, I was young, young and dumb, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think back on it now, uh, it, it probably has more impactful elements to it now than it did then. You know, I my concern was, you know, <laughs> catching the football and – not dropping the next punt than, <laughs> than, you know, all the hoopla that was going on around on this racial issue. You know, even though there were some interesting moments, you know, my first game here at College Park, very first game at in the, in the conference period against NC State and somebody called my dorm. And my roommate's name was Hill also, so they asked for Hill. And they said, we're going to shoot you. We're going to be up on wow. top of Elegance Hall. You know, the high rise mm -hmm. over there, that yeah. the upper deck wasn't there at the time. And they uh, said, so We're going to be up on the roof and we're going to, with a high powered rifle, if you got on the field, we're going to shoot you. So I tried to ignore it, you know. <laughs> and I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want them to not let me play. Yeah. Uh, my father was kind of upset about that, but, you know, that's time passed. Uh, opening kickoff, I'm looking up at the roof. It dropped it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hit me right in the numbers. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking up. To deal with. And fortunately, the ball <laughs> took a leap forward, hit on the point, and jumped right back in my arms. <laughs> I managed to get down to midfield or so. But, uh, so I had to kind of shut that out and uh, not pay attention to it. But uh, there were a lot of interesting moments, you know, especially in the South. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff happened. But. Now on the field, what would you say was your your marquee you know move your marquee skill? Like what did you pride yourself on as a football player? Well, I used to tell my quarterback that if I pull up next to a guy, he's beat. Let him go. Let it go. Yeah. In fact, I had a strong arm quarterback, a gentleman named uh, Dick Shiner, who played in the NFL ten or twelve years. Actually, uh, he had a rocket for an arm. I used to say, "You let me run thirty yards, you cannot overthrow." Me. <laughs> if you put some air under it, yeah. you, you cannot overthrow me. So, you know, speed was uh, the thing that I dwelt on. But I had pretty good hands. Uh, interesting story. I used to tell the kids here uh, at practice, this is recently, I used to say, I think I was talking to Tory Smith and uh, Darius Haywood Bay or Vernon. Davis, or maybe three all pretty good receivers guys. right there. And I used to tell them all the time, you know, look, if you can touch it, 
you can catch it. <laughs> there you go. If you can touch it, you can catch it. So one day I was out at practice when I was working here at the athletic department in a full suit and tie, standing on the sidelines, and a hot pass came hot and heavy, and I just reached up and went, bam! <laughs> <laughs> and they went crazy, you know? <laughs> they started running around. They said, you see that old dude? <laughs> they could have thrown that ball a hundred more times. That was pure luck, you know? <laughs> pure luck. You know? But if you can touch it, you can catch it. And Vernon be a sinner sometimes like he, said, he, said, he said let me see him do it again <laughs> but uh, yeah so I those, those were you know basically my skills so, you know but back then you had to play both ways so uh, the thing that I always tried to work on as a safety was to you know be a better tackler because I was a little guy mm -hmm. 170 pounds uh so some by the time one of those big running backs got to me, they were at a full speed, <laughs> and that, that was a tough challenge from time to time. But you'll, you'll have some good receivers to go over there and look at DJ Moore. Oh, he's, he's pretty good, man. He's where's that number one for a reason? He's going to play on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. There's no question about it. You know, there's some talented young men on this year's team. Oh, a lot of them got good shots. You know, I I think that. Maryland's aggregate group of running backs may be as good as it gets. There you, you know, go. Yeah, Ty Johnson. You got Ty, you got Lolo, mm -hmm. you got Jake Funk, and and then you got these freshmen that are coming yeah, in. McFarlane. McFarlane yeah. and the other kid. Uh, like the leak, Javon Leak. Leak, yeah. yeah, they're deep. Very deep. They have a lot of skill position guys, and, and hopefully they'll be inspired yeah. to practice. And Ty is rolling. I mean, Ty runs under the radar. He averaged 11 yards a carry. And this year he did it again against Texas. You know, he had ten plus, so ten, eleven yards carry. So not, not a bad uh, return there either. Uh, not uh, and, and and but as a return boot. man, you respect that. A yeah, hey, you know, I I was a kick returner. You know, and, and one of the things, the most interesting thing, I I was at the game last year. They're looking through the program, and somebody said. You you in there? I said, get out of here! I you know those records had to be long broken, but I still had some little record in there for for so a kick returning record. I can't remember what it was. But, uh, well, a player deserving of records still being in the program and deserves to be recognized for what you did for you know all players back in the ACC when you played, and then what you've done for this university as a player, someone who worked here, and then what you do in the community now. Daryl Hill, it's an honor. To have you on the uh, the podcast and uh, go inspire our guys out of practice. Hey, really man. appreciate you coming. Hey, I'm I'm really glad to be here and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Okay, guys, take, take care. It easy. Some fun times there talking with Herman Daryl about the Maryland football team, and I think that's what we got to get into right now. Keith Terps back in action this Saturday, three o'clock on FS1 against UCF. A lot of abbreviations. A lot of good football, and we heard from DJ Durkin Tuesday talking about a lot of different things, but different situations for both of these teams come in, and I think we have to first highlight what UCF's been going through. Hurricane Irma obviously threw a wrench into a lot of what they've been doing. They haven't played a competitive game in a little bit here, Keith. Yeah, their, their game against Georgia Tech got canceled, and then their game against Memphis is rescheduled for September 30th, so they're definitely feeling the effects, and it's hard enough to win in college football without distractions, but you, so you, you just can't help but sympathize with what they're going through. 
All that being said, when the whistle blows and the ball's kicked on Saturday, it'll be nice for both teams to just refocus on the game, refocus on football, to maybe not think about those other distractions going on. For sure. And, and Scott Frost got interviewed, obviously, um, this week and, and talked a little bit about the rust that he saw from his team practicing initially. And we'll see if that plays any bit of a part. Maryland, a team coming off of bye, but in more of a rhythm. They, you know, The season's gone um, exactly how they wanted. UCF trying to deal with a lot of different things, um, getting... Um, you know, everybody back in sync. You know, you get that home opener under your belt, but, you know, UCF played FIU, not exactly the highest level of competition, haven't faced um, a team. If they had played Georgia Tech and Memphis, sort of would have gotten up to that competition level. We'll see how they respond. They're obviously going to be fresh. I mean, they've been off for a little bit, but we'll see from a mental fatigue standpoint um, where they are. But they certainly have some talented players, and it starts with the quarterback, Mackenzie Milton. Yeah, he completed 16 of 21 for 360 yards, four touchdowns against FIU. Tossed passes to 13 different receivers. Uh, the Knights recorded 26 receptions as a team, and that's a guy DJ Durkin mentioned today uh, who – Got his first career start against the Terps last year. So yeah, now, in that crazy game, exactly. crazy game last year. Yeah, so now with a whole season of, of uh, experience under his belt, you know he's obviously a guy who can he can run, he can throw, uh, he can scramble, he's elusive. Some of his really big plays have come on broken plays, as, as DJ mentioned. Um, so you really have to get him on the ground or make sure you got you guys you got their guys covered downfield. Yeah, it should be a really fast paced game. Scott Frost comes from that sort of Chip Kelly style from Oregon where you, you get up and go and go and go and their slogan last year was UC fast very clever by them but mm. very apt is is they really really push the tempo on offense and try to score a lot of points Terps do a similar thing under Walt Bell so it could be a very high scoring game Exce- will- excessive juice versus UC fast it's a heck of a matchup. <laughs> One week before excessive juice versus row the boat. That's right. A lot of great slogans. That's but right. but it'll be interesting to see how those two offenses respond uh, to each other. And as DJ Durkin said on his Tuesday media availability, you know, they're really miles ahead of where they were last year. Um, so um, that's it's really good for the Terps. And, and DJ Durkin sort of has his team the way they want. And it starts with a guy who DJ talked about a lot today, DJ Moore. Yeah, the DJs. A lot of DJs in college park, Keith. Yeah, and it's uh, it was interesting to hear Coach Durkin talk about DJ Moore today. You know, he's a guy who's obviously been a major part of this team and uh, been a great teammate, and uh, he's a player who's been a part of the Champions Club, which was a new tradition that DJ Durkin and his staff implemented last year to recognize players who are doing the right things, who, who are being great teammates and have their priorities in order. And he mentioned that DJ Moore is the only player who's been a part of it every single quarter that they've implemented this tradition. Uh, so he's been an exciting player to watch so far this year. Yeah, it's no small feat to be a part of that Champions Club. It, it really shows the guys that are at the top echelon from a leadership perspective, both athletically and academically, are a really cool tradition they implemented. But as you talked about, an exciting player. And the thing you see in DJ is really the complete receiver. Um, can can catch and run, do all the small routes, but can also tape the top off defense, can make the athletic catch. You know, I know Terp fans remember that catch against Indiana last year where he sort of you know, had the tight rope and not in the back corner of the end zone, but that front corner got the foot down. And I can't even describe it. It was such a crazy <laughs> catch. The guy is, is pretty incredible. It has great hands. And for a guy like Kasim Hill, who, you know, needs that security blanket as a freshman quarterback, it went well great against Towson, but it's not going to go that great every week for a freshman guy. That's just how it goes, no matter how talented you are. To have a guy like DJ Moore, who's been in the trenches all these years and, and, and played really, really well throughout his time at Maryland. Where's that number one? And sort of reminds you of those, that Stefan Diggs-like talent. Not yeah. as dynamic as Stefan, but it's always nice to have that receiver wearing one who's that good. And, and that's what DJ does and, and, and really just does a, a fantastic job um, complimenting a guy like Tavon Jacobs, who's really more of a speed guy. And then 
Ejikilve, you know, that shifty slot guy. So it gives the Terps a lot of different options in the receiving core. Yeah, I saw a pretty cool stat from Pro Football Focus, their, their college football Twitter account. With the highest yards per routes run in FBS this year, and DJ Moore tops that list, 6.03. So to me, that tells me he's a guy who's, who's on the field, he's productive. Routes he's running, he's producing from it, and uh, hopefully he can continue that trend against UCF this Saturday. For sure, and that's something for Terp fans to look at on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, Ty Johnson will do his thing as well. So we'll see if what the Terps can do against that UCF offense. Defensively, obviously the Terps are going to, as we talked about, going to have to deal with that both team speed and just simply pace of that UCF offense. And a lot of that is, is going to just be a straight fitness thing, which obviously we've seen what what strength and conditioning coach Rick Court does. So we would assume the Terps are going to be pretty stout from that perspective. But Maryland's secondary um, is going to have to be good against Mackenzie Milton trying to throw the ball. And a guy that I don't think we've talked about enough, we've talked about guys like Antoine Brooks, J.C. Jackson, is Darnell Savage Jr. had the pick six, pick six excuse me against Towson and has, has really been a guy that's that's flourished um, so far this season and he's going to have to do a good job sort of tracking a lot of those those talented UCF skill position players so a guy to watch certainly on the defensive side of the ball and Maryland will continue to implement its younger players and, and we'll get to see another week of development from what's become a very exciting exciting group for Maryland football yeah so not only is UCF fresh but the Terps are too coming off that bye week these guys are going to be hungry to get out play you know in-game action again you know these guys are probably itching for it so it was another interesting thing hearing dj durkin talk about uh you know having to ever you know go through what ucf is going through with the, the hurricane irma situation he said it's almost like you're breaking training camp for the second time if you're the if you're the the golden knight so let's hopefully uh we'll, we'll see some high-powered offense um you know this saturday yeah it should be a really interesting thing for both coaches because they've had so much time to prepare you know, Terps coming off a of bye week, getting that time to prepare for UCF. UCF's now been focused on Maryland since that Georgia Tech game got canceled last week. So that should also be interesting. Should be two very well prepared teams from a from a coaching perspective because you just had so much time to study the other team. So that should definitely be an interesting matchup to watch. If you can get out to Maryland Stadium, definitely come out and see the Terps. It should be a fun game between two very exciting teams. But obviously, FS1 at 3 p.m. on Saturday is the place if you want to see them. But a couple of Terps signing professional contracts in the NBA ranks. Our guy, Melo Trimble, the Hear the Turtle Bump, Keith, strikes again, officially signs with the Timberwolves, although you kind of got a preview of that. We talked to him saying he was off to Minnesota, but that is now signed, sealed, delivered. Melo hopefully um, can get something done up there. Good luck to him. And then another guy, Diamond Stone, who's been around on a couple of teams now since he had his one season at Maryland, signed with the Chicago Bulls. Um, And we'll... You know that's a good place to go for him because you know that team is really rebuilding. So may have uh, the potential to get some minutes there, but will probably play in the D League for most of his time. Um, a couple of other things: men's lacrosse is being honored at the Orioles game tomorrow, uh, Wednesday night. If you want to see that, mm. and women's lacrosse got their rings, so go online and take a look at those shiny rings. That's what happens when you win national titles. How many rings do you have, Taylor? Uh, I have one ring, Keith, from my time here at Maryland, Ooh. and it is the baseball super regional ring from 2015. Oh, that's pretty fantastic. And it is giant. The one Do you thing, wear that around? I don't see you wear no, it too much. It is in a drawer. Okay. But I I very much enjoy it. And the one thing that the baseball staff does is not skimp on it being really big and shiny. If they win a national title, they might just get a giant chain. Yeah, I was gonna say it might be like a, a flavor flav style thing. Yeah, if, uh, they might just totally titles. change the game. But any <laughs> rings for you, Keith, in your in your career? Uh, I'm still waiting on that first ring, Taylor, and I can't. Did wait you not win a cross country national title with Johns Hopkins? Uh, that is a precursor to my my career earlier before my time here at Maryland. But I don't think I got a. I think I got a T-shirt for that mm. um so i'm one to know in t-shirts how about that 
T-shirt shrinks. Yeah, shout out. That. Rings never die. Shout out Bobby Van Allen <laughs> over there at uh, Johns Hopkins. Great and guy. The, but we digress. And that's all for this week on Here the Turtle. You know, another fun episode. Really great to talk to two guys that we have a lot of respect for, Herm Edwards and Daryl Hill. Um, but make sure to send us your questions. We're still looking for questions, Keith. Hear the Turtle. Hear the Turtle at umd.edu is our email. You can also tweet us at Hear the Turtle, Instagram at Hear the Turtle. So send them our way. Absolutely. You want to follow Keith for some hot, hot Twitter stuff at Sneds311, me, a lot of cold, Taylor Smith 10. But that's enough for this week. Another great one in the books, and we'll see you next week. Go Terps.